You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians brought to you by Bilt Bar. It's what I'm going to have for breakfast, well, today, tomorrow, and the next day, Bilt Bar. So I am your host, Jeff Ellis, as always, uh, since this is Locked On Indians. Approaching 500 episodes, I think we're in the 420s right now, uh, or just right before that. Hard to believe that I've done almost 500 of these. It's not a lot of things in my life I can say I've done 500 of, but almost 500 Locked On Indians episodes. Uh, Not a ton of news. I know you're out there, and if you've been listening to the show, uh, some of this has been pre-recorded, and today we're going to finish off that last bit of pre-recorded stuff. The second half of the show is going to be my talk about why the Indians and Rays are natural fits for trades, some trade ideas, and some specific players the uh, the Rays, the Indians should target from the Rays. So that's going to be the second half of the show today. Uh, all of it still holds. Uh, <laughs> the Rays still need pitching. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Corey Kluber today as well, uh, but uh, they made a, a, a play for him. Uh, you know, they're still trying to get some veteran pitching. There's a chance Chris Archer is going to re- return down there. We'll see what they do, but they are still in need of pitching. Uh, the Indians, yes, after trading Carrasco, they don't exactly have the same depth of pitching they had before when we project a rotation. I mean, I think your starting five pitchers are very likely to be um, Bieber, Plesak, Savali. Those three are safe, right? That, that's where we think we're going for being Quantrell likely. Uh, Even though he's more of a two-pitch guy, um, the Indians have been working on those other pitches. We'll see what he can do. I'm not sure he's going to be a starter. He wants to be one, though. And, you know, there's stuff to work with there, and I think it can work out. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I think McKenzie uh, is going to be service time manipulation. One and two, this is a guy who missed all of, you know, 2019 and good chunks of 2018, so he couldn't pitch 200 innings this year anyways. So the fact that there is the, we haven't even talked about the fact that the minor league season is going to be delayed. So on top of everything else that they made the minors go through this year, uh, the minor league season is delayed. It is starting later than normal. Part of the reason for this is they're delaying all of those guys even coming to camp because they don't want to have a lot of players at camp at once. So that double A, class A, uh, all of those guys are going to uh, not begin spring training until the MLB and triple A players have departed. So uh, that means that their camps, I mean, their spring training wouldn't be done until April-ish. So you're probably looking at something like late May for minor league, double something like the Akron Arrows to start. And yeah, the AAA players will be in camp. I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. AAA is likely to be delayed as well. But um, sending Tristan McKenzie down does affect his service time. But in general, too, he's not, he's not going to pitch 200 innings this year. You couldn't have him pitch 200 innings. So it's a way to control the pitch count. So... His case, unlike I'm really just coming to terms with the fact, and I think you should as well, Andre Jimenez, who was the centerpiece of the Lindor trade, is going to start the year in AAA too. Uh, again, service time manipulations. Nolan Jones, AAA for good, at least until June or July. Uh, three players who, if this team is contending in August, ha- yeah, in August, I think we'll see all three with the team. Uh but they will all start the year in AAA to manipulate service time. So who's the fifth starter? They're probably going to run out of Plutko. Like, honestly, uh, you know, he was not terrible in 2019, but the outward stats showed a guy that was a bit lucky and that was unlikely 
to keep that up. He's not a great fifth starter option. Um, he gets by on grit and uh, not much else. Uh, he's just he he keeps finding ways to stay in the majors when one could argue with just the, his pure stuff. He shouldn't be. But as a fifth starter, he tends to get exposed. Um, but I think he will likely start the year as the Indians fifth starter. There is a chance for someone like Scott Moss um, or, uh, you know, Logan Allen, if they had a great camp, they're already older in age and not so much worried about the service time manipulation with either of them, uh, where they could break camp with the team. Those are probably your options at that back of that rotation uh, for next year. Let's talk about Corey Kluber. Uh, boy, was I wrong on Corey Kluber. One year, $11 million from the Yankees. I did not expect him to get that much, but he must have looked really good in that showcase circuit, showcase circuit, that showcase game, because according to that, that wasn't even the highest offer he got. Uh, I know Red Sox fans like expected to get him because his wife's from the area, and there was a lot of talk in the, uh, the, pre, the end of last year when this first started to uh, arise, talk about what would happen with Kluber. A lot of Red Sox fans just thought he'd be there for sure. Um, but he didn't want more than a one-year prove-it deal. He wanted to get that one-year deal and bounce back. Because right now, and, and why am I surprised he got $11 million? It's a slow market. You can look at someone like Charlie Morton, who got his $18 million, and Morton had a bit of a down year last year, but two years ago he was a top three Cy Young finish. Corey Kluber really hasn't pitched effectively in two years. Uh, he was great in the twenty. 18 season but 2020 was one game 2019 was just a handful and you know this isn't a player like in his 20s we're expecting to rebound uh this is a player who will turn 35 in april uh this is a guy who i mean undoubtedly has been one of the greatest indians pitchers of my lifetime you look at his run it's kind of funny in 2014 when he won his first Cy young he did not make the all-star game that year uh, but he didn't make it in 2014 or 15 either, but from, I mean, even you, he was, he was solid. His FIP was a 3.3 in 2013, 2013 through 2018. It's hard to believe that was only that many years we had Kluber, but again, his major league debut in 2011 was three games, four innings, and he was already 25 then. Uh, 2012, he got 63 innings over 12 starts, 26, 2013, you know, he's age 27. And that, you know, is kind of the beginning of this current run. Uh, he he was okay. He was, you know, nothing more than a back-end guy. But man, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, he was something special. And I'm already, like, I can feel like those pangs of nostalgia in my heart when I talk about those years. Because A, that was just such a fun run. Uh, B, I was in Ohio for most of it. I didn't move uh, to Wisconsin. I moved to Ohio in 2012 and I left Ohio in at the end of 2019 is that right I believe so uh so for me that was you know his peak coincided with a time that I got to be on hand to observe a lot of this great baseball and just his sheer dominance during that time so I wish him well I know it's the Yankees but I'm gonna always root for Corey Kluber I'm sorry he is someone I'm always going to be a fan of and I'm always going to be happy for his success Yes, when he faces the Indians, I am not going to root for his success. But the rest of the time, I very much am. So the uh, the Rays, as I mentioned, were in on him. And again, that's the second half of the show. We're going to talk about the Rays um, because they are so beat up and they need pitching. Uh, I thought it was also interesting that uh, before we get to the second half of the show and do our sponsor break in here, 
that the Yankees and Indians never had any formal offers. It was just spitballing on Lindor, and they were kind of afraid to commit to him uh, with his big number when they were trying to figure out what to do with DJ LeMahieu. Uh, so the Yankees never made a formal offer. It came out the Reds didn't either. I remember they were one of the rumor teams. We still don't know about the Blue Jays, <laughs> but more and more it feels like the market for Lindor was Toronto or the Mets. I mean, that that seems to be it. So when I look at the return, and I still have my frustrations with it, uh, I still think there was just not a lot there. You know, the, the COVID situation and the monetary situation really hurt the Indians, and it limited the market. It limited the teams to trade with, and uh, Toronto does not trade big-time assets. You know, it's, it's Mark Shapiro, Shapiro and Ross Atkins. They're trying to do what they did last year. They're waiting in the weeds with some money to spend in free agency, hoping to pounce when guys are out there too long. You know, they, they were able to get uh, the pitcher from the Dodgers, whose name I don't feel like butchering, who was a top three Cy Young finisher last year on the cheap because all the other guys at the top of the market kind of went away and they pounced. And in the whole time that Shapiro and Atkins uh, were in Cleveland, they never traded assets for expiring uh, contracts. That's why I knew Lindor was not going to happen. And they're still waiting right now to see what they can do. Uh, they have not added anything yet. This is supposed to be Toronto's big offseason. It's been really quiet there. Uh, in terms of money in the Cleveland Indians, let's discuss the, we do have two players. Uh, you know, Nick Wetgren took the $2 million. We talked about him before. Was a little bit under, I believe, uh, the projection for him. Austin Hedges, three point two eight million agreed to. Uh, that's right about his. And Ahmad Rosario, two point four. I think he was more two point two was the expected. Uh, I know people were really surprised about Hedges. I'm not. Again, this is a team that played a paid a clearly wash up Sande Leon a uh, million dollars. Like he got a minor league invite this year to camp. He did not get a guaranteed contract. He got a minor league invite, and the Indians gave him a million dollars when he was clearly washed up because they value that backup catcher position. Trading uh, Walker Lockett after they went out of their way to acquire him was not a cheap trade to add Kevin Ploiecki, and then they still wanted to upgrade the defense. I am not shocked that they're going to spend like 20% of the team's salary on catcher because they view that as an important position. And you got Hedges, you got Perez. You have arguably the two best defensive catchers in baseball right there. Um, And the thing, honestly, with Hedges, I don't know if you can ever figure his swing out. I don't know if you can ever get through to him, but he is surprisingly fast for a catcher, and he has power. He just can't make contact. Like, if a team could work on his swing or work on it, like, if he could be, like, a 240 hitter, he'd be phenomenal. He'd be, like, a 20-home run guy. I'm just not sure he can ever be a 240 hitter, but, like, if you could get him to, like, 230 even, like, he would be great. He would probably be a 15-home run uh, probably swipe something like 10 bases and then be the best defensive catcher in baseball. There'd be a lot of potential in there um, if you could figure him out. So I know people were surprised by that and couldn't believe the Indians committed that much, but I'm not. That He just values that position so much. They face, they place such a high amount of value in defense at the catcher position. We'll see if that changes. Um, I think one of the ways Major League Baseball is going to save money in the upcoming years, is robo-umps. Um, nobody likes the umpires. <laughs> no one likes the people on the crew. That's just the truth of it. Let's let's be honest. And uh, when they can replace them, it also saves them some bucks in uh, negotiations. 
And all of a sudden, uh, things like pitch framing aren't going to matter as much because it's going to be a computer and you can't fool it. So uh, the Indians have this value for now, but I think within the next 10 years, that will undoubtedly change. Things that won't change are our fantastic sponsors for today. Let's talk about Built Bar to lead us off. I love Built Bar. It was really fun in chat. They sent us another another care package, uh, another reason to love Built Bar. We got another mixed box, which I love, and a whole bunch of the, the boosts, which I'd already taken one of the Built Bar boosts to school. That's I have my coffee in the morning, and then I switch to the boost in the afternoon. Uh, it gets me through the day. I live in Wisconsin now, so I refill it at the bubbler, is what they call the water fountain. But go to BuiltBarber.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. There's always new products. There's always new flavors. And it's just, it's all great. <laughs> There's nothing else I can say other than this is a product that I buy. It's a product I spend my own money on. And if you want a great tasting protein bar that gives you energy and is good for you, if you want the Boost, which is a great energy product full full of vitamins, I haven't tried the broth yet, but I'm looking forward to trying it. It's a great product, great company. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, save yourself 20%. That is the code I use when I place an order at BuiltBar. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnlineAG. Uh, now's the time, right? You know, it's the college basketball starting. <sighs> Not going to talk about the heartbreaking game tonight, uh, but the NFL playoffs are still ongoing. If you are someone who likes to get out there and gamble, you're someone who knows the lines, knows all that stuff, the best place to go gamble, I have been informed by multiple people on our network, is betonline.ag. One of the great things about them right now is because they're a newer company, they want your business, and they're giving this fantastic deal. This is why you should go there, maybe beyond anything else. There's a lot of great things there, but a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up for your free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On. Uh, 50% welcome bonus, that's huge. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for your sign-up bonus. Bet online. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time to start fresh with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. Would be Josh Lowe, who, if you listen to Friday's show, I mentioned briefly. Lowe is fascinating. Um, plus power, plus speed, plus arm. Plays some center field. I, don't, I still don't think that's going to be his home. Um, I think he's probably more of a, a corner guy. I do know some places that talk about a potential plus defender in center. You know, I, I don't know. And I don't know if he's going to hit enough to be more than a, a really good platoon guy. But you just look at a guy who in 500 plate appearances in double A in 2019, 11% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate, 250 average, 340 on base, 442 slugging, 128 WRC plus. Um, kind of curious to go. Uh, they don't have stat casts for the minors for him, but he performed well and he, you know, he strikes out a lot. He also walks a lot. There's power, there's speed. He just gives you another option. And why he might be harder to get is if you are the Rays, we talked about the outfield with letting Renfro grow, grow, no go. And with possibly trading Kiermaier, 
they could be opening a spot in the outfield for someone um, like Lowe sooner rather than later. Some places he's a you know a top five prospect. Others he's more of a back of the top ten. I think he's probably the hardest one to get, the most unlikely one they are to trade from kind of that initial group of prospects who could conceivably help in 2021. Um, that's, you know, I was, I was less tempted to include him and over like on the trade value site, like just to bring that up, Lowe has a value of 12.2. Uh, we mentioned Wendell was a 2.2 and Walls a 7.7. So I know what you're thinking. The Indians need now fielder and what I talked about with Rogelio last week is I don't think they think they do. I think they think Nolan Jones is going to eventually take over one spot. They're fine with like Luplo Johnson in the other and they, you know, Mercado could bounce back. And if he doesn't bounce back, um, center field is an issue. Or maybe you hope Johnson can play center field um, and not platoon. And then you just have a, a platoon with uh, Luplo and Bowers maybe. I you know I don't know. I don't know the exact logic. I don't know what they're thinking. But the one thing with the Rays at this point in time is once you get past those guys, it's like who can help in 2021? Who are the players who you think could step up? And it's not... Maybe uh, Moises Gomez is another outfielder in their system to talk about and consider. Uh, I know he has fans and he has uh, detractors, I have heard, uh, through the years. Because like I've looked at him multiple times. Because when you are looking at a team like the Rays who have so much depth, you see a guy who you has some power potential. That you're like, well, what about him? Uh, he doesn't seem to be a priority for them. What's the story there? And you know, it, I hear lots of different stuff. And he's another one of those guys that was really hurt by, he would have spent all of last year in double A. Like a lot of his projections to be in the majors were with the thought that, hey, he'll be in double A next year after being a productive and high A with a high strikeout rate. I don't really think he's someone that fits as well um, just because of the, the the rate and the, the lack of knowledge. So the question is, what would the Indians have to trade, right? That's what people are waiting for. Let's assume low is off the table. So you're looking at needing to get to, by the way, uh, low walls and Wendell is 22.10. Uh, Tristan McKenzie alone is 21.1. So, I mean, I would be tempted by that trade if Tampa would take it. Uh, maybe I'm in the minority. Uh, I just think that they have a lot of pitching options and, um, I'm not, I think McKenzie would be fantastic in Tampa. I think with their setup and their opener system, he is, you know, ideal for that. I think they would at least consider it. But I also don't think that is likely a trade to occur. So let's, again, just concentrate on like basically getting a 10 value for Walls and Wendell. Adding two guys who can help with what is going to be a confusing infield this year. Uh, Carlos Carrasco is an 8.8, but I don't think they want to add money right now. Um, would they? Quantrell could make some sense at a 7.8 that you'd have to kick in um, some more smaller value going down the list a bit more, seeing who's, you know, in the majors. Uh, I think Hedges would have brought some value before they made the Mejia deal. Now they're kind of set there. I don't think Whitgren does much for them, if we're being honest. Logan Allen, the elder, there's some logic to him as a player who could fit into a trade. Um, They also like to buy low on guys, so Mercado could actually have some value going the other way, but then you don't have a center fielder. So, what is essentially going to be my final offer? Or what do I jump up and think makes the most sense if we're going kind of lower end guys for a deal like this, going looking at Wendell and Walls? I think what probably makes the most sense is something like Quantrell and then maybe Carlos Vargas 
give them that ceiling arm they like. <clears throat> At the same time, I mean, Quanchell and Vargas, based on the same system, is is a what like a ten point six. So it, it so he would be a higher value. You know that that would be one that doesn't quite fit. Uh, you know, I think I still while I he and Ha here. You know, I think there's a way to find something that lines up. I think that's more the takeaway from this than anything else. They have bats. We have arms. Both teams have players that are um, uh, salary-controlled, value-controlled, which is what is a need for both organizations as they cannot afford to add salary. And one tre- one team trading the pitching, which they have a lot of cheap multiple-year control arms, to the team that has a lot of cheap multiple-control-year bats makes logical sense. I mean, even on a very basic level, I think if we cut everything away, I think trading for Joey Wendell from them makes a lot of sense. Just getting a vet in who can play second every day. And if you are Tampa, who, you know, just made the trade on uh, Tuesday to trade their former closer to open a 40 man spot, they're up against it in terms of the 40 man walls, I believe is on their or Wendell is on their 40 man for sure. Getting someone like you know, Carlos Vargas for Joey Wendell, or maybe even someone less than that, getting a young, interesting, high ceiling arm. Uh, if you go over to the MLB list, like Taj Bradley is listed in their top 30 prospects. And I have to confirm this off the top of my head. I believe he is, uh, the Indians traded him. I believe he was, nope, he was a draft pick of theirs. See, that's where I'm, I'm totally wrong. I'm trying to remember who the, uh, the Indians traded when they got the one reliever from them a few years ago. But you know, you even go through the race system. They like guys who are either, they're like the Indians. They like the flashy high ceiling guys, or they like clean delivery, great control. John uh, Doaxis from Texas A&M a few years ago, who's in their lower minors, an example of the other end. So the Indians have pitching that makes a ton of sense with what the uh, the Rays like. The Rays have bats. I just think it is a natural, logical uh, hookup for those two teams. So keep the Rays in mind. Uh, I know everyone's like, oh, but the Rays win every deal. they don't not everyone wins every deal and while the indians did lose that bowers for yande part of that deal uh hey brandon guyer turned into a very successful player and they got nothing back for him so hey we got one uh, situation where the indians beat the rays i've been jeff ellis this has been the lockdown indians podcast i want to thank you all for listening at home and for the next year go tribe